From Kindred Church, your inclusive church family. This podcast is a collection of sermons from our weekly worship services in Durham, North Carolina. Whatever your background is, wherever you are on your faith journey, we hope this message helps you take your next steps in response to God's unconditional love. Well, hello and welcome to Kindred Church. It's great to be with you. If we've not met before, my name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here. And if this is your first time to tune in with us at Kindred, we're especially glad that you joined us today. Our scripture reading is from Ecclesiastes. We're going to look at uh, chapter 1, verses 2 through 11. And it says this. Perfectly pointless, says the teacher. Perfectly pointless. Everything is pointless. What do people gain from all the hard work that they work so hard at under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains as it always has. The sun rises, the sun sets, it returns panting to the place where it dawns. The wind blows to the south, it goes around to the north. Around and around blows the wind, the the wind returns to its rounds again. All streams flow to the sea, but the sea is never full. To the place where the rivers flow, there they continue to flow. All words are tiring. No one is able to speak. The eye isn't satisfied with seeing. Neither is the ear filled up by hearing. Whatever has happened, that's what will happen again. Whatever has occurred, that's what will occur again. There is nothing new under the sun. People may say about something, look at this, it's new, but it was already around for ages before us. There's no remembrance of things in the past, nor of things to come in the future. Neither will there be any remembrance among those who come along in the future. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, we are now in week two of our series called God at Work at work. And I don't know what work looks like for you in your life right now. For some of you, work looks like going into the office. For some of you, work looks like working from home. For some of you, maybe you're in between jobs right now. And so work for you is is finding the the next job, which could be a whole lot of work. Uh, For some of you, work may not involve a paycheck in a traditional kind of way because you're a student. And and so your work is going to school or you're a stay-at-home parent or maybe you're retired. And so work looks a little different in this season of your life. I don't know what work looks like in your life right now, but here's one thing that I think I do know about you, and that is whatever your work looks like, you sometimes, maybe oftentimes, you experience frustration with your work. Uh, if, If that doesn't apply to you, you're definitely in the minority. And so uh, I want to get us thinking today about uh, that, that sense of frustration that we sometimes feel at work and, and how to handle it and, and, and what to do about it. I'm, I love how um, Ecclesiastes puts this in the passage that we read a, a moment ago. Um, this was written by a guy named Solomon. Uh, he lived uh, about 900 years before Jesus, so about 3,000 years ago uh, from today. And Solomon's job, his work, was to rule over and, and run the entire kingdom of Israel, which at that point was, was quite large. And that was a job that came with a lot of perks. And actually, if you know Solomon's story, he enjoyed some of those perks a little too much, uh, probably. Uh, It got him into trouble at times. Uh, But nevertheless, that job was also super, super frustrating at times. And and apparently, there was one moment when Solomon was overwhelmed with frustration. And and he says this from from this passage. He says, perfectly 
pointless. Perfectly pointless everything is pointless, he says. What do people gain from all the hard work that they work so hard at under the sun? He says a generation goes, a generation comes, but, but what really changes? He says the earth remains as it always has. Solomon is feeling frustrated like work itself, his work, other people's work, it's just so pointless. And, and again, I don't know what work looks like in, in your life, but I'm guessing that you know the feeling that you can resonate with this on some level. You may not know this, uh, but even we pastors, believe it or not, even we pastors sometimes experience frustration in our work. Now at Kindred Church, we have an awesome staff. You know, those of you that know Ty and Candace and, and Tiffany, they're amazing. And what's incredible is that we never get frustrated with each other. It's wild, you know, and, and same for, for all of you, for our congregation, our community. I can speak for our whole church staff in saying that we never get frustrated with any of you. How could anyone get frustrated with such wonderful people like you? So our staff is awesome and our community is awesome. But nevertheless, there are other parts of my job that can sometimes be Frustrating. I'll give you an example. Sometimes I run into logistical frustrations. I mean, uh, coming out of the pandemic, we were in a spot where uh, our community had grown and, and we were ready to start gathering in person again. We had been online only. And, and so I spent hours and hours on the internet, on the, the phone, uh, looking for some place that we could meet to have worship services. And time and time again, I would get excited about a particular place and it would look like it was going to work out. And then time and time again, it would get shot down. And, and, and like I, I just did not become a pastor to spend hours and hours on the phone getting rejected by different event venues. Not my idea of a good time. It can be frustrating sometimes. So sometimes I've had failures uh, in, in my work. And some of you know what some of my failures are. Please keep that to yourself. I'm an Enneagram 3. I really hate failure. I find it very frustrating. Uh, sometimes I, I miss opportunities in my job and, and that gets me frustrated. Um, this may be unique to, to my role. But sometimes I'll sit down to work on a sermon and I look at the passage that I'm supposed to preach on and I don't know what to say. And I'll pray like, Lord, help me know what to say about this, this passage. And, and sometimes Jesus takes his sweet time giving me the inspiration that I feel like I need that can be frustrating. Or other times I'll sit down to work on a sermon and I'll know what I'm trying to say. I just can't figure out how to say it in a way that will keep all of you awake. You know, when we're in the movie theater, like it's dark and the, those seats are so comfy. And so preaching can sometimes feel like a bit of an uphill battle in that context. I'm, I'm like half joking with, with all of this. This, but my point is that even though my work may look different from, from your work, one thing most of us have in common is, is we know what it's like to feel frustrated at work, right? And, and sometimes it's little things that, that we just deal with and, and we can move on. Other times it's, it's bigger things. You know, some of you may be in a, a place right now where uh, your, your career is not going the way that you had hoped and, and that's frustrating, uh, some of you may be between jobs right now and you're applying and you're looking for the next thing, but nothing seems to be working out and that can be so frustrating. Some of you may be in a job where you are undervalued, underappreciated, uh, underutilized, uh, underpaid. All of that can be so very frustrating. It can take lots of different forms, but, but almost all of us know what it's like to feel frustrated with our work. And, and in some cases, that frustration that we experience at work, it can actually become really destructive in our lives. I mean, there's minor frustrations that we just kind of get over, but, but there's some that can become really destructive because at times we can start to internalize 
these frustrations that we feel in our work. We can start to assume that the frustrations that we feel, that they must be about us. It must be about me. If I was just smarter, if I was just more talented, if I was just good enough, we think, then I wouldn't feel so frustrated with my work. How many of us have found ourselves thinking at times, you know, other people in this role, they seem to be having so much success. So what's wrong with me? Other people seem to be getting promotions. They seem to be getting hired to the jobs that they want. So, so what's wrong with, with me? Other people seem like they're getting recognition. They're getting rewarded for their hard work. What's wrong with me? I must be too dumb. I must be too mediocre. I must just not be good enough. When we start to internalize these frustrations, that can lead us to anxiety. It can lead us to depression. It can become really destructive in our lives. And so what I want us to see today, what I want us to see today is that God actually knows that this is something that we struggle with. God knows about our frustrations at work and God cares about this. And God knows that this can sometimes become destructive in our lives and, and God just loves us way too much. And God just cares about us way, way too much to leave us to deal with all this, to, to just navigate all of this on our own. And so because of that, God gives us wisdom and God gives us guidance to, to help us to handle our frustrations at work uh, in ways that are not destructive, but in ways that are healthy and even in ways that are life-giving uh, for us. And so what I want to do now is I, I want us to, to turn to Scripture and let's see what kind of guidance God shows us uh, about how to deal with all of these things. Now, as we look to the Bible... Uh, what we see is that throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, throughout Scripture, there are all these people in Scripture who go through seasons where they find their work very frustrating. And so this is not a new phenomenon. This goes back to ancient times. As, as we've already seen, Solomon, back 900 BC, Solomon was finding his work frustrating in one particular season. It actually goes back even further than that. Uh, scripture tells us that even Adam, I mean, the very first human being ever, he, he felt frustrated at times with his work. And, and even Jesus even Jesus himself went through seasons of feeling very frustrated in his work. And I want us to pay close attention to Jesus today and, and his frustrations and, and how he dealt with those. You know, Jesus spent three years of his life pouring himself into his disciples in like every possible way. Jesus called the disciples. He handpicked them for, for these roles of, of being his closest followers. Uh, Jesus lived with the disciples for three years. Jesus taught them over and over and over again. Over and over, Jesus performed miracles in front of the disciples. At times, Jesus actually empowered the disciples themselves to go out and to perform miracles of their own. I mean, Jesus is just like for three years pulling out all the stops, doing everything he can to show the disciples who he is and who God is and how God wants them to live their lives. And yet over and over again, Jesus has these moments where he realizes the disciples just aren't getting it. Um, some of you, if, if you're a teacher, you know, you may have had this experience before and, and relate to this. Like you're, you're pouring yourself into your students you're doing everything you can. You're working so hard to set them up for success. And you have these moments where you realize like they're just not getting it. Or, or you parents, you, you may have had something similar. You're, you're pouring yourself into your child. You're trying to teach them some important life lesson. And, and you have these, these moments where you realize they're just not 
getting it. And that can be so, so frustrating. Jesus felt that way uh, a lot. We know that Jesus loves the disciples. I mean, that's, that's without question. But, but Jesus still has these outbursts of frustration at times where he'll, he'll turn to the disciples and he'll say stuff like, are you still so dull, he says. Or Jesus will turn to the disciples and, and he'll say, do you still not understand? Or in one case, Jesus turns to the disciples, he's so frustrated, and he says, how long must I be with you? He says, how long must I put up with you? How many of us have a coworker that we would love to just turn to them and say, how long must I put up with you? Jesus felt that way. Jesus felt that way. And maybe the most frustrating moment of all of Jesus's ministry came the night before Jesus died. Some of you know this story. This, this comes to us in Matthew chapter 26. Uh, it's late on this Thursday night, and the disciples have just had the Last Supper. They don't really know that, that it's the Last Supper at this point, but, but they've just uh, done that. And, and after supper, uh, Jesus leads the disciples outside the city of Jerusalem to this garden where Jesus likes to go and, and, and to pray. And, and in this moment on this Thursday night, Jesus knows what's about to happen. Jesus knows he's about to get arrested, he's about to be tortured and beaten, he's about to be crucified. And the thing is, the disciples, they should know this too. They should know this too because Jesus has explained to them that, that he is going to be arrested, that he's going to be crucified. Jesus has straight up told them that multiple times. Uh, Jesus has told them in metaphors. Uh, Jesus has tried parables to explain this. Uh, at the Last Supper, Jesus even used some visual aids with the bread and the wine, like he's trying to accommodate all the different learning styles, and yet the disciples still just don't get it. And so late on this Thursday night, they find themselves out in this garden called Gethsemane. And understandably, uh, Jesus is just overwhelmed here with what's about to happen. And so Jesus pulls the disciples together and he says, please, please, will you pray? Will you pray for me? Will you pray with me for, for what I'm about to have to go through here? And the disciples, they don't really understand. They're like, yeah, Jesus, sure, sure. We'll, we'll pray. We'll pray. Uh, so Jesus says, thank you. And then, and then Jesus goes off by himself so he can pray by himself for a little bit. And as soon as Jesus leaves, what do the disciples do? They don't pray. They just fall asleep. They fall dead asleep. So, so then after a while, Jesus comes back and he sees them sleeping and he's like, are you kidding me? Like, I gave you one job. What in the heck? He shakes them awake. He's like, guys, will you please just pray with me? I'm, I'm getting ready to be crucified and you can't even stay awake for one hour? So they're like, okay, sorry, Jesus. Our, our bad, our bad. We'll, we'll, we'll pray for you this time. We'll pray for you. Jesus says, okay, thank you. So then Jesus goes off by himself again to pray. He comes back again. The disciples aren't praying. They're, they're dead asleep all over again. So Jesus shakes them awake. And again, he's like, what are you doing? Are you, are you kidding me? And in that moment that the disciples, I mean, excuse me, the, the, the soldiers in that moment come out to arrest Jesus. And even though Jesus had poured himself into the disciples for three entire years, even though Jesus had worked so hard to form these disciples and to help them understand what was going to happen and what he was going to have to go through, and, and all of this, still the, the disciples don't get it. And when they see the soldiers coming, the disciples end up abandoning Jesus. They run away. They flee for their own self-protection. They leave Jesus in his darkest hour. And many of them even begin to deny that they ever even knew Jesus at all. Now, if that's not frustrating, I don't know what is, right? That is extremely, extremely frustrating. And so my point with all of this is to highlight for us the fact that even Jesus, 
Even Jesus went through times when he was frustrated in his work. Now, there's there's some bad news for us within that, and, and there's some good news as well. Let's do the bad news first. The bad news is that if even Jesus felt frustrated in his work at times, what that means for you and me is that frustration at work is ultimately unavoidable. I mean, there, there are certainly things we can do to try to reduce the, the frustrations that we feel at work, and we probably should do a lot of those things. Uh, but ultimately, we are going to go through times. Whatever our work is, whatever our job is, we're going to go through times when work gets frustrating. It doesn't matter how smart we are or how talented we are or how good we are. Uh, even if we land what we would consider to be the perfect job, still we're going to go through some times where we experience some degree of frustration. It's just a part of life. That's the bad news. But here's the good news that's within that. The good news is that since we know that that's true, that actually liberates us. It, it frees us to be able to handle these inevitable frustrations in a way that is not destructive. It, it enables us to handle these frustrations that we're going to experience in ways that are healthy and in ways that are life-giving. And so the, the real question that we've got to wrestle with is not, what can I do to eliminate all my work frustrations? That's impossible. And if you're trying to eliminate all your frustrations at work, that's going to set you up for even more frustration because it's ultimately impossible. The, the real question for us to wrestle with is what do I do about it? How do I handle it when I inevitably experience frustrations at work? And the, the best way I think for us to answer that question is just to look to Jesus. You know, what, what did Jesus do when he was in that time of frustration. How did Jesus handle it? We don't have to make this up for ourselves. We just look at what Jesus does and we can look at this very same story. Um, uh, this very same story that night in the garden. You know, Jesus, as I said, Jesus is so overwhelmed. He's scared, understandably, for what he's about to go through. He's, he's so frustrated with, with the disciples. And, and what does Jesus do in that moment? Well, Jesus takes time to, to go off and pray. And what's so amazing is that Matthew actually tells us what Jesus prays in that moment. Here's what Jesus says. Matthew 26, verse 39. Jesus says, my father, talking to God, my father, if it's possible, he says, take this cup of suffering away from me. Take this away from me. In other words, Jesus is saying, God, I am so overwhelmed. I'm scared. I'm frustrated. And Jesus is saying, honestly, a huge part of me doesn't want to go through with this. We can't blame Jesus for that. Who would want to go through with crucifixion, right? Uh, he's saying a huge part of me doesn't want to go through with this. A huge part of me, he's confessing, like, I just want to leave this work. Maybe I could go back to being a carpenter again. Maybe I could get some other job. A huge part of me wants that. But Jesus doesn't stop there in this prayer. Jesus goes on and he says, however, however, God, not what I want, but what you want. Not what I want, God, but what you want. That this is so powerful. That this is so powerful. Um, not what I want, but what you want. You see what Jesus is doing here? Uh, in this time of great frustration, Jesus is choosing to put his focus on faithfulness. In his time of frustration, Jesus is choosing to put his focus on faithfulness. In this moment, 
Jesus could have internalized his frustrations, right? As, as we sometimes do. He could have just gone down the road of thinking like, gosh, if I had just been a better Messiah, if I was just a better leader, if I was just a better teacher, I wouldn't be experiencing this, frust- this frustration. Jesus doesn't internalize it. And Jesus doesn't allow himself to, to just keep fantasizing about some perfect frustrationless job out there. Jesus is wise enough to know that, that no such thing uh, exists. And so instead, Jesus places his focus on faithfulness, meaning he thinks to himself, yes, this is overwhelmingly frustrating, but am I where God wants me to be? And yes, this is frustrating, but am I doing what God wants me to be doing? Am I where God wants me to be? Am I doing what God wants me to be doing? And as he prays about it, as he reflects on it, he he realizes, yes, absolutely, that even despite the fact that this is overwhelming and scary and, and frustrating, I am where God wants me to be. I am doing what God wants me to do. And once Jesus confirms that, in his prayer, that gives Jesus the confidence. It gives Jesus the courage. It gives Jesus enough inner peace to finish the work that he started. And thank goodness for you, and thank goodness for me, and thank goodness for this world that Jesus goes on to finish the work that he has started. Now, as we think about Jesus' example and, and what this has to do with our work and, and our frustrations, obviously none of us is Jesus, right? Uh, it's not your job. It's not my job to, to die for the salvation of the world. Thank goodness, because if I was in Jesus' shoes, I totally would have left and, and got a different job. Uh, no, no question. So it's a good thing I'm not Jesus. Um, but even though we're not Jesus, we can absolutely learn from Jesus and, and we can do what we see Jesus doing here in, in this scene. If we focus on faithfulness, in our own seasons of frustration, that's going to help us to deal with those frustrations in ways that are healthy and in ways that are life-giving as well. I'll give you a, a quick story uh, to, to show you one time when, when doing this helped me a whole lot in, in my own life. And, and some of you know parts of this story already. Uh, but back in the early part of 2020, the early months of 2020, Kindred Church at that time was a, a relatively small group of people. We, we've grown significantly since back then, but we were a relatively small group of, of people, and uh, we were gearing up, we were planning the launch of Kindred's in-person worship services uh, for Easter of 2020, which was April 4th, 2020. Now, you remember what happened. So like two weeks before that, the pandemic hits. And it ends up just shattering our plans for Kindred Church. I mean, it just blows them to smithereens. And at first we were like, okay, we'll just wait the pandemic out and and regroup. Um, You know, because at first they were like, it's just going to last two weeks, right? Like go on spring break, come back, the pandemic will be gone. Well, it quickly became uh, apparent that that wasn't going to happen. The pandemic was going to be around for a while. And so it quickly also became apparent that if we were going to keep this Kindred Church thing going at all, we were going to need to become an online-only church plant. Now, I had never even heard of an online-only church plant, much less led an online-only church plant. And so I entered a period of very deep frustration. I'm like, look, this job was hard enough as it is uh, without a global pandemic. I'm not equipped to lead online-only ministries. I have never in my life felt called to lead online-only ministries. Didn't know anything uh, about it. It was so frustrating. And and on some of the more frustrating days, I really found myself questioning, like, God, should we just shut all of this down? I mean, should we, like, 
just put this kindred project to bed and and should I just find some kind of a different job because I was I was so frustrated but I knew in that season of frustration and I'm not always good about this but I knew like I need to pray about this and so I tried my best to do what we see Jesus doing in this scene I tried to focus on faithfulness and I prayed God am I where you want me to be right now and God am I doing what you want me to be doing right now or or is there something else for me and as as I prayed about that and as I talked to people who were close to me about that and as I saw the ways that God was continuing to work through Kindred Church even in that difficult season as I saw the ways that God was at work through so many of you during that season it just became so clear to me that yes I am where God wants me to be right now despite all my frustrations yes I am doing what God wants me to be doing right now. And looking back, I'm just so glad that I didn't allow my frustrations in that season to pull me away from what God was calling me to do. And I think I can speak for us collectively, those of us who were at Kindred at that time. We're we're so glad that we didn't let that that frustrating season pull us away from what God was calling us to do. If, If it had, Kindred Church wouldn't even exist right now. It's pretty pretty amazing to think about. Pretty amazing to think about. So my, my point with all this and, and what I'll leave you with uh, here is that any time in your own life when, when you find yourself frustrated with your work situation, follow the example of Jesus and focus. Focus on faithfulness. Pray about these questions. Talk to people close to you about these questions. You can talk to people in your small group. You can talk to people, uh, other friends that you have here at at church about these questions. Am am I doing what God wants me to be doing? Am I where God wants me to be? And and if you discern that the answer is, is no, then it may be time to make some changes in your work situation. You, you may need to, to figure out uh, what needs to change in your work situation so that you can be where God wants you to be, so that you can do what God wants you to do. But, but if the answer is, yes, I am where God wants me to be, I am doing what God wants me to be doing, then even in the face of deep, deep frustrations, you can find confidence and you can find courage to stick with it and, and you can find a sense of inner peace even within those frustrations. And you don't have to internalize those and and assume that the the, the problem is you in a destructive kind of a way. You you don't have to uh, fantasize about the perfect job out there that has no frustrations because that doesn't exist. But but you can find that courage, that confidence. You can find that inner peace because you'll know. You'll know that you are right where God wants you to be and you are doing exactly what God wants you to do. Let me pray for us. Well, gracious and, and loving God, um, as you know, we often feel frustrated in our work, Lord. Um, and we know that we're not uh, alone. Uh, we're grateful for the ability to, to look back through Scripture and see that so many people who have followed you but before us have gone through these very same things. That helps us to know that it's not something wrong with us, uh, that it's, it's just part of life. Uh, God, we're thankful that you're the kind of God who cares so deeply about us and who is so intimately involved in our lives that, that you care very deeply about our work frustrations. And we're grateful that you're the kind of God who would come among us to, to save us, who would come among us to, to show us the kind of life that you want us to live. And we're so grateful that, that Jesus shows us how to deal with our frustrations 
at work. God, in those times when we're feeling that sense of frustration, help us to follow his example of of focusing on faithfulness. And God, uh, for for anyone here who's wrestling with these questions of, of, uh, am I where you want me to be, God? Am I doing what you want me to be doing? And, and if the answer is no, Lord, we, we, help, we pray that you would help them to find the, the right place so that they can be where you want them to be, so that they can do what you want them to do and find the, the confidence and, and peace and courage that, that comes with that. Um, and, and for those of us who are wrestling with those questions and we find that, yes, we are where you want us to be and we are doing what you want us to do, we pray that you would give us that strength and that courage and, and that peace of, of knowing that we are where you want us to be, Lord. Uh, We thank you for that reassurance. Uh, We thank you for the gift of Jesus and and his example to us, and and we pray all of this in his name. Amen. Uh, Well, friends, just a few things here quickly for us before we go. If you're new to Kindred, I would love to connect with you, and the best way to do that is if you'll click the Connect link in the description here. Fill out the short form. I'll reach out to you later this week. I look forward to saying hey. Uh, If you're local, we would love to see you in in in-person worship. Just go to our website. It's kindrednc.church. You can get all the details about how to do that. Uh, And finally, check out the announcements link that you see in the description. That'll take you to this week's newsletter. And that has a bunch of different ways that you can engage with us at at Kindred and and keep growing in your faith with us here at Kindred Church. Uh, So with that, friends, remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week and may the peace of Christ be with you. Thanks for tuning in. If this message was meaningful to you, consider sharing it with a friend who might also find it meaningful. To support this ministry, to get involved with Kindred Church, or to learn more about us, check out our website, kindrednc.church. We hope you have a great week.